Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison. As we continue to study the Word of God as taught by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the Doctrine and Covenants. What a wonderful, mighty year this has been as we've continued to seat at his feet and have listened to him speak into our minds and into our hearts all the glorious mysteries of the kingdom of God. Of that same Jesus Christ, I testify that he lives today. He rose from the dead on the third day in accordance with all the holy prophecies of all the holy prophets since the world began. He is our Lord, our God, our King, our Redeemer, our, our Savior. May the angels of heaven shout glory and hallelujah. Let the sun and the moon and the stars and all of creation shout hallelujah and hallelujah to the Lamb who taketh away the sins of the world. It's another pleasure to be here again today to be able to teach and to testify of Jesus Christ and of his glorious restored gospel once again here this week. Another mighty two revelations coming up today. Section 137 and 138. This contains the mysteries of the heavens, the mysteries of the spirit world of which probably 99% of the world do not know or understand or ever even entered into their mind. How glorious and wonderful these doctrinal truths are that we're about to uh, study today. Let's look today at the Doctrine and Covenants, section uh, 137. We're right back to the prophet Joseph Smith. Last time we saw that he was martyred in cold blood. He died as a martyr. Uh, uh, we looked at the uh, song, Praise to the Man Who Communed with Jehovah. Jesus anointed that prophet and king. Blessed the open, the last dispensation. Kings shall extol him and nations revere. Hallelujah. Let's look here now at Doctrine and Covenants section 137. This was a revelation later added on, uh, later on, uh, but it was a revelation that Joe Smith received in uh, 1836, January 21st, concerning the uh, celestial kingdom of our God. In the uh, Bible, in the 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul mentions that there are three degrees of heaven. One, the glory of the sun, one, the glory of the moon, and the glory of the stars. There's three kingdoms. It's always been taught, uh, but yet the, the classical, uh, uh, non-biblical, uh, credo Christianity, if we can uh, say that, those who believe in the creeds of Christendom rather than in the biblical Christianity, uh, that uh, they've always thought of this traditional heaven and hell, you know, but we know from the beginning, all the way from Genesis 1-1, and we'll look at this in the coming weeks. As next year in 2022, we'll be moving to study the Old Testament in the Bible, all the year next year in the Old Testament, that in the beginning, uh, God created the Shemaim, the heavens, plural, and the earth. It's always been taught since Genesis 1-1, taught again in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 15. The only church in the whole world who believes that biblical doctrine, once again, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as Jesus Christ Church. We've looked all year how Jesus Christ is now, uh, uh, through a lesson today, has testified that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is his church more than 160 times here in the Doctrine and Covenants. So it made it very clear, very abundantly clear, that this is his church, and so therefore we would expect it to teach the biblical doctrine. And it is the only church that once again teaches 
the true biblical doctrine. We don't teach uh, the, the later uh, post-biblical doctrines developed three and four and 500 years after the Bible was written by these early Christian, so-called Christian fathers who met together without prophets, without apostles, without receiving revelation from the heavens as they sat down and formed up these apostate uh, non-biblical doctrines such as the Trinity and uh, other such things, notions of there being one heaven and, and one hell and all these false doctrines not taught in the Bible, uh, invented by later Christians uh, three, four, five hundred years after the Bible was written. And so once again, we see that this doctrine's always been taught. So uh, here we have a vision. The prophet Joe Smith receives this vision of the celestial kingdom. Let's look at 137, verse 1. The heavens, plural, the shamayim, what exactly we would expect it to be, the heavens, plural, were opened upon us. And I beheld the celestial kingdom of God and the glory thereof. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Remember, this is the same experience that, uh, you know, that Paul had in the Second Corinthians. Uh, I believe that was in Second Corinthians 12, uh, where he's caught up and he, he, uh, he doesn't know what is in the body. It's such a powerful experience when they ex have this vision. They don't know whether they're still in the body or whether their spirit has temporarily left their body and have beheld the uh, beauty of the heavens. So he beheld the celestial kingdom, celestial, that represented by the sun in 1 Corinthians 15. So he beheld the celestial kingdom of God and the glory thereof, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. I saw the transcendent beauty of the gate through which the hairs of that kingdom will enter. How beautiful even the gate is before you even get into the celestial kingdom. You see the beautiful gate, and he describes it here. It was likened to circling flames of fire is how glorious how ma majestic this uh, these gates just leading into the celestial kingdom are these circling flames of fire also the blazing throne of god wherein i saw god the father and i saw god the son in verse four and i saw the beautiful streets of that kingdom which had the appearance of being paved with gold. Can you catch this vision in your mind? Streets made of gold, gates encircling fire of the gates, blazing throne of God and his holy temple within the celestial kingdom. He says here, I saw Father Adam and Abraham and my father, Joseph Smith Sr., and mother, my brother Alvin, that has long since slept. He had died before even having the opportunity to be baptized. And I wondered how could he possibly be in the celestial kingdom having never been baptized? He says here in uh, verse seven, thus came the voice of the Lord unto me saying, all who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, this gospel, that being preached by the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's the only way to salvation. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not this is one of the ways. This is one of the truths. He, Jesus Christ himself would has declared over and over again all year long in the Dr. Cuffs, this is his church. This is his way to salvation. That gospel taught by the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, 
All those, he says here, who have died without a knowledge of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, if they had had the opportunity for missionaries or to come across a video on the internet in which someone was preaching the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and inviting them to become a member of his church, to reach out to the missionaries, to become a baptized member of his church and kingdom upon the earth. If they had had that opportunity and would have received it, they shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. So don't you don't need to worry if some one of your ancestors or one of your relatives never heard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and never had someone invite them to become a baptized member of God's church. They still, if they would have accepted it, they will still have the opportunity to accept the gospel in the next life. And this is what this lesson this week is building up to here. Very powerful doctrine here. He says, and also all that shall die henceforth from 1836 on. That includes the, today in 2021 and soon to be 2022. Also, all that shall die henceforth without a knowledge of it, who would have received it with all of their hearts, shall be heirs of that kingdom. So even if they're living in some country where they don't yet have the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints established, if they would have accepted it, had they been given that opportunity, they shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom, the glory of the Son, and receive all the greatest blessings God has in store for them. For I, the Lord, will judge all men according to their works, according to the desire of their hearts. See, we're all born with the light of Christ, with the conscience. The light of Christ often referred to as the conscience. We all, we, we've all been born with that. We all know truth and, and false. We know what is right and what is wrong. And so it depends on how we listen to that conscience, to that light of Christ that God has blessed us with. If, if we do our best to, to live according to that, what's also referred to by theologians as natural theology. If we obey the natural theology and live the best of our abilities, then the day will come in which we shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Even if we did not hear or give the, were given the opportunity to receive the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He says here in verse 10, And I also beheld that all children who die before they arrive at the years of accountability, later defined at the age of eight, all children who, get, who die before the age of eight are saved in the celestial kingdom of heaven. What a mighty, powerful, and loving God that we have. There are false Christianity, uh, false Christian churches that actually will teach you and tell you straight to your face, that your child who died before he turned eight, if he was not baptized, shall go to hell. Well, <laughs> we know what God said about those kinds of false pastors, false preachers who teach such doctrine and wreck havoc and wreck destruction and spiritual destruction upon God's children upon the earth. In, the, in Matthew 7, the day will come in which they will die and they will meet Jesus face to face. And they will say, Lord, in your name we preached. In your name, we did miracles. He will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Don't listen to such false teachers, false 
pastors of God. They do not preach with the authority of God. They have not been commissioned by Jesus Christ to preach in his name. Therefore, what they preach is blasphemy, as he has said in the earlier section here in the Doctrine and Covenants. So what a wonderful, mighty section 137, the last revelation of the prophet Joseph Smith that he received from God here in this glorious book, The Doctrine and Covenants. We now move to the next prophet, not in order of succession, but a later prophet, Joseph F. Smith, who's, uh, you know, a, a nephew of the, uh, the prophet Joseph Smith. He becomes the president of the church in the early 1900s. And now he receives a revelation here in section 138. This is going to build upon this prior doctrine we just looked at and explain how this can come about. 138 verse 1 through 4. He says, On the 3rd of October in the year 1918, I sat in my room pondering over the scriptures and reflecting upon the great atoning sacrifice that was made by the Son of God for the redemption of the world. How do you invite revelation into your lives? Just as he just did. Just as he showed an example here. You ponder. You open your spiritual mind, your spiritual eyes. You prepare yourself spiritually to receive the revelation. You ponder. You meditate upon the things of God. Then God can speak to you. Then God can show you the mysteries of his kingdom. And so he's reflecting here and he's meditating. And the great and wonderful love made manifest by the Father and the Son and the coming of the Redeemer into the world. That through his atonement and by obedience to the principles of the gospel, mankind might be saved. Without Jesus Christ, no one can be saved. We will all, uh, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The penalty of sin is death, spiritual death, eternal separation from God's presence. It is only because Jesus came forth, the perfect and sinless Lamb of God, slain from before the foundation of the world. He came forward. He was atoned for our sins by being crucified and by suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane, suffered for the sins of the world, enabling us and bringing the past the great glorious gift of God of that called repentance, to know that when we sin, when we make mistakes, we can approach the throne of grace, throne of God himself, and plead for forgiveness of our sins. He will cleanse us through the blood of his son. He will wipe out those sins as though he does not remember them anymore. And he can welcome us back into his kingdom as a cleansed vessel, a cleansed temple of God. Okay, now let's look at um, 6 through 24. I opened the Bible and read the third and fourth chapters of the first epistle of Peter. Great doctrine is taught in the epistle of Peter. And as I read, I was greatly impressed, more than I'd ever been before. Why was that? Because he did what was necessary. He earlier he was in his room, pondering the scriptures, reflecting upon the things of God. Therefore, he was more prepared so that he could get this greater impression than he'd ever had before with the following passages. And he quotes here from the, from the epistle of Peter. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, 
but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. <laughs> Trivia question. What is the only church upon the earth that teaches again the Bible? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only church who actually teaches and believes, once again, another passage in the Bible. We don't just take a couple of passages here and there, take them out of context, and then build a church upon those couple of scriptures and just believe those couple of scriptures and disregard anything in scripture that is not in accordance with our beliefs in a couple of passages of scripture. No, 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 no. We teach the whole Bible from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation chapter 20. And so here it is. Once again, we teach this doctrine. The only church upon the earth that teaches this doctrine. So by which he, Jesus, went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was the preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, the family of Noah, were saved by water, which is also symbolic that at the age of eight, you can become baptized. You're not baptized as a baby infant when you don't even have an ability to uh, to mentally function and make a determination whether you're going to take upon you the names of Jesus Christ and keep his commandments or not. You need to at least arrive to a point, a mental stability, a mental uh, uh, degree to which you can make such decision. God has defined that as the age of eight, being represented by the eight of Noah's family who were saved by water, as eight was saved by water here. In verse 10, and for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to man in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Whoa, that's an incredible verse of scripture. Again, the only church upon the earth that teaches and believes such doctrine, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you're a member of a church who does not believe in the Bible, that does not teach the Bible from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 20, I urge you with the, all the love I have to leave such a church and embrace a church that does. Come unto Jesus Christ's church, his true church, the one he's declared over 160 times to be his true church. What does this mean? This is marvelous here, right? So, this cause, the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Those who had not, back in 137, had an opportunity to receive the gospel. Who would have received the gospel if they had had that opportunity? Also to those who rejected the gospel. They will be given a second opportunity. Not a second opportunity to inherit the celestial kingdom of God. We know from Doctrine Covenant 76. That once they leave this life, having had that opportunity, it is over. There is no celestial uh, glory for them. But what we don't understand, a lot of people don't understand or realize, is how glorious the other kingdoms of glory are. The terrestrial kingdom would be a great place to be, right? If you can't make, if you can't qualify yourselves for celestial glory, terrestrial is still a great glory, right? Jesus will come visit you from time to time. What a greater thing than, than that, right? To, to have Jesus Christ, to be able to come visit you, spend time with Jesus on regular uh, occasion. They're in the terrestrial kingdom. So those who 
who had rejected the gospel, but then decide in the next life to accept it, they can be redeemed from hell. How marvelous that is, that they don't have to spend eternity with the devil and his angels, but they can be redeemed from such horrible place and can go into the terrestrial kingdom and, and receive the, you know, the, the presence of Jesus Christ from time to time. So it's still a wonderful thing. That's why we do baptisms for the dead in the temple work for those of your family members, for example, who you know had the opportunity to accept the gospel, but yet rejected it. You are not wasting your time. I know there have been things said by, uh, you know, a certain apostle in this church who may not have fully understood this doctrine. It's true that you cannot, that they will not go to the celestial kingdom. But, but, what, is but what is also true is that you can redeem them from spirit prison the moment you go do your temple work for you go do the temple work for that person, they decide now they're going to accept it in the spirit world. They can be redeemed from spirit prison and brought into spirit paradise where they can now live with the saints of God until the day of resurrection. And then they can go into the terrestrial kingdom. If they were a good, an honorable person in the earth, they can go to the terrestrial kingdom, have Jesus visit them from time to time. That's a marvelous thing. That's worth going to the temple and spending your time in the temple to perform that great service. Let's don't underestimate the terrestrial kingdom. That is still a glorious kingdom. That is a kingdom of salvation. Salvation. Uh, anything from the terrestrial on up is a glorious kingdom. You know, better than this earth, much more glorious than this earth. Even the end in the telestial kingdom by accepting the gospel, trying your best to repent of your sins, but you lived a horrible life. You rejected the light and knowledge that you did have, the, the conscience that you had. You, you, even the telestial kingdom's glorious place. We should catch a vision of that. And all of you who are members of the church, go forward, do the temple work. Give these blessings to those who... Or have re had rejected them, but are willing now to receive them. Give them the opportunity. You don't need to worry about whether they're going to, to, to celestial or to terrestrial, telestial, just to know that they will be saved in a kingdom of glory. That should be enough motivation for you. And so the important thing here in 10 also is that judged according to man in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Today is the day of your salvation. You will be judged upon how you lived in this earth, whether you listen to that light of Christ, that conscience in your life or not. So you will have the opportunity to accept the ordinances of the temple, your, your baptisms and, and washings and anointings and so forth. You can accept those, uh, but you're still going to be judged according to man in the flesh, how you lived. In the flesh, if you lived a horrible life and were very wicked, but then decide to repent in the spirit world and accept the, the ordinances of the temple um, for you, well, that's great. You will be redeemed. You will be redeemed from hell, right? You will be redeemed from hell. You'll be redeemed from spirit prison. You'll be brought into the paradise of God. You will make it at least to the telestial kingdom, you know, and that's a marvelous thing. That's a kingdom of salvation, a kingdom of glory. But you're still going to be judged how you lived in this life. So it's still important that for those who have not yet accepted the gospel, those who are rejecting the gospel, or those who have not had the opportunity to accept the gospel, they got to live according to the light of Christ. they got to live to their conscience because that's how they're going to be judged. But by performing the temple work, we can then redeem them from the spirit prison, 
from going to hell with gnashing and wailing of teeth and all those horrible things that the scriptures teach on and on. And they can become a saved a, a person of God, a saved in, the, in one of the kingdoms of glory. Okay, let's look at 11. And as I pondered over these things which are written, the eyes of my understanding were opened, and the Spirit of the Lord rested upon me. And I saw the hosts of the dead, both small and great. And there were gathered together in one place an innumerable company of the spirits of the just, who had been faithful in the testimony of Jesus while they lived in mortality and who had offered sacrifice in the similitude of the great sacrifice of the Son of God. It's talking about being prior to Jesus Christ's death. He saw the, the, the faithful saints of God who had performed animal sacrifices and similitude of the forthcoming sacrifice of the Son of God. And they had suffered tribulation in the Redeemer's name. All of these had departed mortal life, firm in the hope of a glorious resurrection. Through the grace of God the Father and his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. They knew that Jesus was going to be coming forward in 4,000 years from, from Adam. You know, 2,000 years approximately from Abraham. They, they knew. They died knowing with that hope that Jesus was coming to die for them, to atone for their sins. That they would be resurrected. I beheld that they were filled with joy and gladness. And we're rejoicing together because the day of their deliverance was at hand. They were assembled awaiting the advent of the Son of God into the spirit world to declare the redemption from the bands of death. Their sleeping dust was to be restored into its perfect frame, bone to his bone, and the sinews and the flesh upon them, the spirit and the body to be united, never again to be divided that they might receive a fullness of joy. You can only have a fullness of joy upon resurrecting, upon your body and your spirit being inseparably joined together forever and ever, never to die again, never to be separated again. While this vast multitude waited and conversed, rejoicing in the hour of their deliverance from the chains of death, the Son of God appeared, declaring liberty to the captives who had been faithful. And there he preached to them, not, who did he preach to here, right? To the faithful saints of God. He preached to them in the spirit world. He announced to them the resurrection from the dead and the uh, doctrine of, uh, he says, the everlasting gospel, the doctrine of the resurrection and redemption of mankind from the fall and from individual sins on conditions of repentance. But unto the wicked, he did not go. And among the ungodly and unrepentant, who had defiled themselves while in the flesh. His voice was not raised. He was not allowed to go there, for they were not worthy to inherit to be in the presence of God. Neither did the rebellious who rejected the testimonies and the warnings of the ancient prophets behold his presence, nor look upon his face. Where these were, darkness reigned. So in the spirit world, where they reigned, the wicked, who had rejected the testimony of the of the prophets, darkness reigned. But among the righteous, there was peace. And the saints rejoiced in their redemption and bowed the knee and acknowledged the Son of God as their Redeemer and deliverer from death and the chains of hell. Their countenance shone and radiance from the presence of the Lord rested upon them. 
and they sang praises unto his holy name. What a marvelous sight that would have been to behold a vision such as this. Let's look at uh, 28. And I wondered at the words of Peter that we just looked at, right? Wherein he said that the Son of God preached unto the spirits in prison, who sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, and how it was possible for him to preach to those spirits and perform the necessary labor among them in so short a time. Obviously, you know, what Peter's trying to say here is a little bit different than, the, you know, is, is that, right? He couldn't, he didn't have time to go preach to the billions of, of spirits, you know, in three days, right? He's dead three days. He goes to the spirit world for three, you know, for three days, right? Doesn't have time to preach all, 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 so short a time. But what did he do? And as I wondered, my eyes were opened and my understanding quickened. And I perceived that the Lord went not in person among the wicked and disobedient who had rejected the truth to teach them. But behold, from among the righteous, he organized his forces and appointed messengers clothed with power and authority and commissioned them to go forth and carry the light of the gospel to them that were in darkness, even to all the spirits of man. And thus was the gospel preached to the dead. So in the spirit world, there's two sections, right? Paradise or the traditional heaven, uh, the Christian heaven, right? Heaven or paradise, one and the same thing. Heaven, paradise, and there's hell or spirit prison, right? So the, these wicked are in hell or spirit prison, the righteous in heaven or paradise, right? And so the... Jesus Christ, during the three days while he was waiting to resurrect from the dead, went forth into the spirit world. He got the righteous. He commissioned them and gave them authority to preach the gospel. You have to have authority to preach the gospel. You cannot just read the Bible or go to seminary and think because you went to a seminary or you, or you uh, uh, read the Bible that somehow you have the authority to preach the gospel in the name of God. You do not. Jesus Christ went to the righteous spirits, gave them the, the, the authority to preach and commissioned them to preach in his name. They then went to hell or to the darkness or to the spirit prison to preach the gospel to those who had rejected the gospel, uh, who, were, who had not fully accepted the gospel while they were on the earth. In verse 31, and the chosen messengers went forth to declare the acceptable day of the Lord and proclaim liberty to the captives who were bound, even unto all who would repent of their sins and receive the gospel. They have a chance to repent of their sins in the spirit world, but they're still going to be judged upon how they lived on the earth, judged according to man in the flesh. They will be judged how they lived on the earth, but they can receive forgiveness of their sins and inherit a kingdom of glory from the telestial kingdom on up. If they don't repent of their sins, they shall not even come into the telestial kingdom. To come into the telestial kingdom, being redeemed from hell, uh, you have to repent of your sins. So they have a chance to repent of their sins in the spirit world. Repent of their sins and receive the gospel. 32. Thus was the gospel preached to those who had died in their sins without a knowledge of the truth or in transgression 
having rejected the prophets. So either they died in their sins without knowing the, the gospel truth, the church of Jesus Christ, or they rejected the prophets. These were taught faith in God, repentance from sin. Interesting, right? What are the basic principles of the gospel? Faith in God, repentance, baptism, receipt of the Holy Ghost. What are they? What are these spirits in in hell and the uh, spirit prison receiving? Faith in God, repentance from sin, vicarious baptism for the remission of sins. They get that they they're being told that there are people in the temples of God performing baptisms for the dead, and they can accept those baptisms that were performed in their name. And the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on a hand. And all other principles of the gospel that were necessary for them to know in order to qualify themselves that they might be judged according to man in the flesh, how they lived on the earth, but live according to God in the spirit. They can, penalty of sin is death, spiritual death. So therefore, the uh, be judged according to man in the flesh, they sin, therefore they're worthy of, of uh, spiritual death, uh, to go to hell. That's all that they're entitled to. Right, but because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, this principle they can repent of their sins, they can be redeemed from hell and enter into a and, and receive salvation, inheriting a kingdom of glory from the celestial kingdom on up. And so it was made uh, known among the dead, both small and great, the unrighteous as well as the faithful, that redemption had been wrought through the sacrifice of the Son of God upon the cross. Hallelujah. Thus was it made known that our Redeemer spent his time during his sojourn in the world of spirits, instructing and preparing the faithful spirits of the prophets who had testified to him in the flesh, that they might carry the message of redemption unto all the dead, unto whom he could not go personally because of their rebellion and transgression that they through the administration of his servants might also hear his words. So they're being given the opportunity to hear the words of Jesus Christ by the faithful saints of God who, who, who died faithfully, faithful to the gospel. Jesus Christ organized them as, a missionary, as missionaries to go to hell, to the spirit prison, to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What glorious message of salvation this is. In 38, among the great and mighty ones who were assembled in this vast congregation of the righteous. He starts to describe now all the faithful uh, saints of God that he saw there. So he saw Father Adam, the ancient of days and father of all, and our glorious mother Eve, with many of her faithful daughters who had lived through the ages and worshiped the true and living God. Abel, the first martyr that was killed by his brother King. And his brother Seth, one of the mighty ones, who was in the express image of his father Adam. Noah, who gave warning of the flood and appeared to Mary as the angel Gabriel in the New Testament to announce the coming Savior of Jesus Christ, that he would be born to Mary. Shem, the great high priest. Abraham, the father of nations, the father of the faithful. Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, the great lawgiver of Israel. And Isaiah, who declared by prophecy, wonderful, wonderful prophecies in Isaiah 53, that the Redeemer was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that were bound. 
They were also there. Moreover, Ezekiel, who was shown in vision the great valley of dry bones, which would be clothed upon with flesh and resurrect from the dead. Daniel, who foresaw and foretold the establishment of the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the last days, and how it was going to grow forward and grow and grow throughout all the world. Elias, who was with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw Jesus transfigured in mighty glory and splendor, speaking to Moses and Elias. And Malachi, the prophet who testified of the coming of Elijah, of whom also Moroni spake to the prophet Joseph Smith, declaring that he should come before the ushering in of the great and dreadful day of the Lord were also there. The prophet Elijah was the plan in the hearts of the children, the promises made to the father, foreshadowing the great work to be done in the temples of the Lord and the dispensation of the fullness of times, the times we live in now, for the redemption of the dead and the sealing of the children to their parents, lest the whole earth be smitten with a curse and utterly wasted at his coming. All these and many more, even the prophets that dwelt among the Nephites in the Book of Mormon, they were there too and testified of the coming of the Son of God, mingled in the vast assembly and waited for their deliverance. For the dead had looked upon the long absence of their spirits from the bodies as a bondage. A lot of false Christians, false religions teach that the body is bad, that the body is evil, that your whole goal in life is to break out of the body, to get the spirit broken out of the body. That's an absolute false doctrine brought by the devil himself. The devil himself, as one of his punishments, was declining the opportunity to have a body. So he is only going to have a spirit. And so therefore, he whispers false doctrines to the people about that. But the reality is, is that they look upon the absence of their spirits from their bodies as a bondage. Once you experience the joy of having a physical body, when you go back to the spirit once again until the resurrection, when you when your spirit will separately connect with your body, you will look at that period of time as a bondage. These the Lord taught and gave them power to come forth after his resurrection from the dead to enter into his father's kingdom, there to be crowned with immortality and eternal life and continue thenceforth their labors had been promised by the Lord and be partakers of all blessings which were held in reserve for them that love him. The prophet Joseph Smith, who else did he see here? And the modern-day saints of God, not just the saints of God who died already thousands of years ago in the Bible and Book of Mormon times, but he saw the current saints of God. He saw the prophet Joseph Smith there. He saw the, his brother Hiram Smith there. He saw the prophet Brigham Young there and the prophet John Taylor there, and the prophet Wilford Woodruff there, and other choice spirits who were reserved to come forth and the fullness of time to take part in laying the foundations of this greater Latter-day work, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, those who God held and reserved in the heavens to come forth in this, the last dispensation, the fullness of time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were all there, including the building of temples and the performance of ordinances there and for the redemption of the dead were also in the spirit world. I observed that they were also among the noble and great ones who were chosen in the beginning to be rulers 
in the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even before they were born, they with many others, we lived before we came to the earth in the spirit world with our heavenly father. And they were given many lessons, their first lessons in the world of spirits. And we prepared to come forth in the due time of the Lord to labor in his vineyard for the salvation of the souls of men. I beheld that the faithful elders of this dispensation, the faithful members of the church, when they depart from mortal life, they don't just sit around and play a harp sitting on a cloud, but they continue their labors in preaching the gospel of repentance and redemption through the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God among those who are in spirit prison, in hell, who are in darkness and under the bondage of sin in the great world of the spirits of the dead. The dead who repent will be redeemed. Glory, hallelujah to the Lord that he allows such an opportunity that those who repent will be redeemed from hell, will be redeemed from darkness, will be redeemed from the spirit prison to come forth and receive a kingdom of glory, salvation through obedience to ordinances of the house of God. And after they have paid the penalty of their transgressions, they must pay and are washed clean, shall receive a reward according to their works, how they lived on the earth, for they are heirs of salvation. Thus was the vision of the redemption of the dead revealed to me. And I bear record, and I know that this record is true. Through the blessing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even so, amen. What a wonderful lesson today. We've seen two prophets of God receiving revelations and visions of the kingdoms to come of the spirit world, of how glorious the celestial kingdom is with paved roads, all paved out of gold. The gates, before you even enter, you see as circling flames of fire, the blazing throat of God, wherein he and his son said that heavenly burnings of everlasting fire. How glorious such a vision, how glorious such such things these things have, are that we have discussed today. We've seen that God so loves the world. He continues to give them an opportunity to bless them, even if they reject him here in this life. Even if he, if the people reject his prophet sent in his name in this life, they will be given a second opportunity, not to receive the fullness of his blessing, not to receive the celestial glory, but still they have the opportunity to repent of their sins to be, receive salvation from death, hell, and the grave, and to come forth in a kingdom of glory. That is how much God loves us, that even we reject him, reject his prophet sent in his name, he still gives the people opportunity after opportunity. And even when they die, he gives them an opportunity to receive some of the mighty, wonderful blessings, not the fullness of the blessings, but some of them. How glorious that is to know. For those of you who are alive today on the earth, who are not yet members of the church, why rob yourselves of eternal blessings that can be yours? Yes, it would be great to be in the celestial kingdom. Yes, it would be great to be in the terrestrial kingdom of God. But let's go and make our goal this vision that we had of paved roads of gold, of flaming gates 
of blazing thrones of God. Let's go and decide to live there. Let's receive him in this life so he can bless us not with some of the blessings, not only with salvation, but with exaltation, with all his blessings, with what the eye hath not seen, neither hath the ear heard, neither hath entered into the mind of man the great things that God has prepared for them who love him and keep his commandments. I challenge you and I invite you in the love of God to reach out to the missionaries. I will leave in the video, this a description of this video, a link. Click on that link. Reach out to the missionaries. Let them know you are ready to embrace the fullness of God's blessings for you in your life. You want to become a member of his church and kingdom upon the earth. They will help you and lead you to the waters of baptism. For those of you fallen in inactivity in the church, come back. We welcome you with full arms, open wide arms. Come, come. Come partake, partake from the tree of life, of all the great blessings God has in store for you. He is a God of repentance, a God of forgiveness, but you got to lay claim upon those. Don't doubt him. Don't think you've fallen short of the glory of God and you're forever shut out from his presence. Today is the day of your salvation. He doesn't say yesterday was the day of your salvation. Last week was the day of your salvation. Last month was the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. Come back and he will welcome you with wide open arms as the parable the prodigal son teaches. And you'll be given that fatted calf to, to eat and a ring put upon your hand and uh, nice clothes. You're welcome back to your father's kingdom. Come back, reach out to your bishop, your elders quorum president, your relief society president. They will help you become active once again in the kingdom of God. I leave with you my testimony that these things we have discussed today are true. These are the mighty blessings of God that he has in store for all the faithful saints of God. You know, my mighty wonderful, I testify of these prophets that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, that Joseph F. Smith Living in the, being the president of the church in the 1900s, was a prophet of God, and what he saw was amazing. What he saw was incredible. What he saw is worth everything that, the, that we have, the, all the efforts we can do to, to just turn our hearts to God and do our best to keep his commandments and just receive his grace. Let his grace abound within us, as the Apostle Paul said so that he can cleanse us from our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. I testify of Jesus Christ that he lives, that he is our Lord, our God, and our King, and our Redeemer, and our Savior. He welcomes you into his kingdom. He established, he died for to bring forward the great gift for us to repent of our sins, to be cleansed from our iniquities, and receive the Father's kingdom. Of him we testify today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.